When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Vicki Connor. Together, we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. We are back again with another episode of My Epic Adventure. In this subseries of the podcast, we chat with friends and coworkers about some of their favorite and standout trips or activities. And today, cue the drumroll, we are bringing back former Peak Northwest host, the one, the only, Jim Ryan. Jim, thanks for coming on. <laughs> wow, what an introduction, Vicky. Uh, this is so fun. This, this is making my day uh, times a thousand. I'm, I'm very, very happy to be back with you both. Well, Jim, we're so happy to have you back. And for, for listeners who may not remember or may have missed your departure somehow or may not have even listened back then, way back when, when you, <laughs> <laughs> you co-hosted the podcast with me, um, fill us in on what you've been doing and where you went. Yeah. So I moved from Portland uh, to Seattle in the spring of 2022 to take a new job uh editing the law and justice coverage for the Seattle Times. And I've been here and back and forth between Portland and Seattle and a bunch of other places since then. Uh, so I've been enjoying getting to know some of the local spaces a little bit better, uh, getting outside in areas that were maybe, say, a six-hour drive from Portland, but a little bit closer of a drive from Seattle. And of course, uh, just trying to keep uh, keep tabs on what you folks are doing from afar. <laughs> well, you are surely missed here at the Oregonian, and we have so much to catch up on, uh, so much to go over. But uh, I hear today you're going to be telling us about a trail system in the North Cascades. Yeah. So I will admit that I am no Nordic or cross-country skiing expert, but I went on a trip recently uh, with my girlfriend, Emily, and her little dog, Scout, to uh, the North Cascades, kind of north-central uh, Washington, to go on a cross-country skiing vacation that I think, I just think that a lot of folks would be interested in trying to emulate. Oh, no doubt. And Jim, you're, when I mean, you were here and I'm, I'm guessing still as you're there, you're like a ski guy. That's sort of like what yes. you're, you're known to do. This is like your preferred activity in the wintertime. So tell us a little bit about where the skiing is. Cause I mean, you used to, when you were here, you're we talking about skiing on Mount Hood, skiing in mm -hmm. Oregon Cascades. Mm -hmm. What's, what's, what's it like up there where you were doing this trip? Yeah. So this is, in I guess what I would consider North Central Washington, uh, the North Cascades, way tucked up, uh, not quite against the Canadian border, but quite a ways up there. 
and the Metau Valley, as it's called, uh, kind of has, as, as I understand it, three main kind of towns, one after another, that are kind of this cross-country or Nordic skiing capital, if you will. Uh, we stayed in a little cabin, which we can talk about in a sec, because that was really fun, too, between the towns of Winthrop and Mazama. And what's really fun about this area, well, there are many things really fun about this area, but in the wintertime, they groom this incredible network of cross-country ski trails. So uh, the Metau trail system includes over 200 kilometers. So if you want to do the math, anyone? I don't. I don't want to do the math. (laughs) 120 miles. uh, So says the website. I'm not doing the math either. Um, Of cross-country ski trails throughout the winter. So uh, they tout themselves as one of the best Nordic skiing systems in North America. And if I'm being honest, I wouldn't know the difference really all that well because I have not cross-country skied that much as an adult. I did some as a kid back in Michigan. Uh, But let me tell you, folks, it is spectacular scenery, great grooming, and a wonderful place to go visit. Wow. So when exactly did you go? Oh, boy. It was earlier this year, probably... Let's let's say January. I think January is accurate. Emily and I had gotten hooked on the idea of staying in. I can drop you folks the assorted links for this, but a, a system of huts called the Rendezvous huts, which are a long part of this trail system, and they're kind of your ski in, ski out, you know, cross country ski up into uh, into the forest or what have you, and stay at this hut for the night, move on to the next one the next day and kind of create yourself a little loop. These are kind of rustic-ish cabins, really quaint and pretty and a great sense of place. However, reservations are quite hard to get, uh, especially for us late in the game, not getting in on this well in advance, right? So I was like, you know, I kind of swore that I remembered some other kind of huts or cabins or something up in that neck of the woods. And either she or I stumbled upon a different place called the Rolling Huts. Why are they rolling, may you ask? Uh, I believe they are old on on old train platforms, I think is the sitch. Um, Again, you got to kind of see the picture, right? But very cool kind of out Uh, This is everything that you could want in one area. You have your little hut. You have a kind of shower, sauna, bathroom facility kind of around the corner. And then a pizza restaurant. And (laughs) right by all of that, you have cross-country ski trail. It is a lovely little place to hang out. And we had a a very, very good time. Wow, that pizza restaurant must do incredible business. (laughs) (laughs) We contributed to it uh, one of the nights, let's put it that way. So this was your your first time out there? No, this this was my first time up there in the wintertime. So I've been up around the Mental Valley and doing some climbing up in kind of the Washington Pass, uh, North Cascades area. You know, any number of times, uh, but I hadn't been there in the winter. And I uh, remember a, a while back when we went skajoring 
uh, mm-hmm. Vicky, if you make that memory, that connection um, with a local athlete who raved about going up to the Metal Valley to ski in the wintertime. And that kind of planted a little seed. And Emily was really enthusiastic about kind of this is a, a sport and activity that we can learn together a little bit more. We'd all, we've both done it a couple of times, but, you know, something that we can do together and get more experienced with. And so we decided to make the trip and we got really lucky with nice weather, uh, you know, reasonably nice weather for booking a trip. And I think I said it was January and just a lot of fun. It was, it was really great. Maybe not an epic adventure in the sense of like really hardcore, Maybe some of the other folks you're talking to for this have really hardcore adventures. This was a luxurious, fun, uh, still exerting yourself, but really good time. Uh, Jim. Like our epic adventures here range from this to uh, Lizzie Acker taking her toddler on the bus. Nice. So epic is in the eye of the beholder. Epic. I mean, toddler on the bus is epic, quite frankly. <laughs> If there are cool huts and pizza and like skiing and snow involved, that is definitely epic to me. I'm I'm all in. <laughs> so how many nights did you spend doing or like how many nights, how many days were you doing this? Yeah. So I'm trying to think. We did we did two days of skiing. So the first day we went up to this area that I kind of referred to where the rendezvous huts are. We had to drive up there and that's a system of let me make sure i get it right it is a system of five off-grid huts up there along these cross-country ski trails and we picked out a section of trail that we were interested in that would take us to one of the huts so we skied out and had i think i had a energy bar out in the hut and we kind of tooled around and made a loop out of it lollipop style loop And what was really one of the things that was really special about that was sections of these trails are dog friendly, Vicky. So this will pique your interest. Uh, We were able to bring uh, Scout, Emily's Emily's little pup, uh, along with us for his inaugural skiing journey. And you don't really know how the dog is going to do, right? Uh, Maybe you've had this with your dogs where uh, my parents' dogs, for example, if you're wearing snowshoes, one of them just cannot handle that (laughs) that's not gonna fly with her um you know heaven forbid like uh, someone using a bicycle comes by like that's you know not a good situation a lot of the time uh so we weren't sure scout's very mild mannered and relaxed but we weren't sure how he was gonna do with skiing and thankfully he just trotted right alongside us basically the whole time uh it it was a a not disruptive situation we just you know brought him in close when other folks came came alongside of us Um, i think the rule was that if your dog has good recall they don't have to be on the leash unless you want them to be on the leash or they need to um, in a given situation and that made it really fun because he was just kind of running back and forth between us and then trotting right alongside and for emily of course everything is accentuated when you bring the dog along. So for me as well, very fun time. Of course. Oh my gosh. And so since you're not like a very seasoned Nordic skier, how how were these trails for you? 
thankfully they have a really good mix, right? So I said, I think it was 120 miles, 200 kilometers of trails. There's something for everybody. So on this first day we did, I think there was one section of more challenging terrain, one or two sections of more challenging terrain, but there's some ups and downs, but not like a downhill ski resort style uh, where you're going really fast. You could go really fast, but we were not, right? Some of the hills got us going a little bit, but uh, there was a little bit of a learning curve. But for two folks who had done some skiing before, downhill skiing and some Nordic skiing, it was totally approachable. And folks who maybe have that background or have been out to like teacup on Mount Hood or something before, this would be something where they could pick out a loop, a couple of different loops, some mountain backs, some things that they could do just fine. Especially of interest was, for, for that perhaps, our second day, we drove over to Mizama, very cute little spot uh, that I'm sure you folks would both enjoy. And we did a big loop right out of town. And this is, a, a to me at least, unique and interesting place where they have partnered with private landowners to groom trails that in part go through their properties. So you're kind of starting skiing right in the community and, and then linking up with what I imagine in the summertime are other established trails. Um, notably, dogs not allowed, at least on some of the trails we were doing out of Mizama. So you should check the little brochure see where they can go, where they can't go. Uh, but that was really lovely and extremely moderate with the exception of, of one area. So you can kind of read the trail map. I think they have a mobile app or at the very least a, a site that works decent on your phone. Uh, so you can get a good sense of what you're getting into ahead of time. Well, Jim, tell us about what that experience feels like being out there in the woods in this beautiful place. The dog tried along. Take, a, take us into it a little bit. Yeah, this is my favorite line of Jamie Hill. I love it. How does it feel, man? Uh, no, it, I mean, one of the things I like the most that I think some uh, about being outside and in, in nature, as you say, that I think a lot of folks lose in the wintertime is that sense of exploration. Like those of us who like to downhill ski, we'll go to the same ski resort and we'll do that every weekend. And you get really familiar with a place, but you don't necessarily scratch that itch so to speak of going to explore and seeing new things that's what i really like about backcountry ski touring one of the things i really like about it is being able to go explore new areas and i think i, I didn't quite know what to expect when i went for the nordic or cross-country ski vacation where everything that we were doing is groomed and you're on a path and other people can pass you on that path but for us, it was all exploring. It was all new. It was all places that we hadn't seen or hadn't seen in the wintertime. So I remember at one point on our second day of skiing, we were on this loop and we passed by. And I'm like, huh, oh, I've been here in the summer. I know exactly where we are, right? And, and that was cool to just kind of stumble upon something that I was familiar with. But I didn't really know we were going to cross that, cross that road, go, go past that snow park. It was really cool to explore like that. And also, I, I kind of mentioned the approachability for folks who have spent some time on skis, whether Nordic skis or downhill skis. A situation where 
we were definitely working hard and by the end of the day we were tired but it's a, it's an activity that you can do very conversationally i feel like it's not you're sprinting around or you know whizzing downhill on your alpine skis you know we were in a line right next to each other most of the day with the exception of you know going down hills and whatnot and that's really fun to just be able to kind of slowly do your march through the forest at least we were you know going pretty slowly saw some people who were real real pros but uh and and kind of soak up that feeling of of being in a, a familiar but unfamiliar place in a season that maybe a lot of folks wouldn't expect jim what were the crowds like there you mentioned a couple other people, some pros around, some people going faster. Was it very busy? I know it seemed it sounded like it was a pretty popular spot. Yeah, I, I would say it is very quite popular, but it's also quite far away, right? Uh, the, I don't. I think probably the closest. I would have to Google Maps this and actually check it, but like Wenatchee and Spokane are probably in the winter time the closest major cities nearby and those are both a few hours away and when i say major probably you know bigger cities what have you there are plenty of towns and people who live around there but um i i wasn't prohibitively busy at all especially for folks who can you know maybe speaking for myself get a little bit of oh you know am i gonna look like a newbie am i not gonna be able to keep up with the crowds this and that it was not a problem at all i think the trailhead was probably mostly full our first day, mostly full the second day, but it didn't ever feel like we were stumbling over people or people were stumbling over us or trying to go around each other. Very relaxed. And like you said, with 120 miles of groomed trails, there is a lot of room to spread out. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, Jim, I noticed uh, in my research of this trail system that they kind of tout the different activities that you can do on the trail system, whether it's cross-country skiing or you mentioned biking, uh, snowshoeing. Do you think you'll go back and do any of those other activities or even go back in the summertime for the trails? I, I would love to go back in the summer. I think I, I want to keep hooking Emily on this area uh, as a place to go. I love it a lot. I really think it's super fun. There's so much to do. I, uh, I I think I've probably made known on the podcast before that I am not a snowshoe lover. Like uh, <laughs> if, if I'm going to like separate my winter activities, snowshoe is going to fall on the lower hierarchy of that list. Not nothing wrong with snowshoeing, but not my <laughs> personal favorite. Um, I honestly, I, I think where we were is at least on the groomed trails themselves. They want to keep those for skiing. They might have some like fat biking and some other snowshoeing stuff, but honestly, honestly, I think I'm pun intended over my skis. If I'm going to talk about, uh, <laughs> talk about any of that. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. Jim. <laughs> um. <laughs> I can't leave the opportunity to make some corny joke on, on the pod, you know, <laughs> Well, what what about some of these nitty gritty de details? So, if people are looking to um, go out and do this, um, how how do they go about booking a place? Uh, what kind of trail passes do you need? Let let us know. Yeah, that's a good question. So, we were able to buy just like ski day passes. So, you don't need uh, to go online from home and buy a season pass or get any fancy package, but you do. You're probably behooved to buy ahead. 
Um, I, I'm sure you can stop at a local shop and grab one also. But we went online. Uh, a day pass for an individual is 28 bucks on their website right now. Uh, three consecutive days, 72. Uh, you can buy a dog day pass for 10 bucks for those of us bringing our pets along. I found that to be super, super affordable. I think it's an amazing network for that price. It's also a break for those of us who are a little scared off by downhill ski lift ticket prices that are, you know, pretty, pretty steep. No pun intended there for downhill skiing. Man, I'm on a roll now. Uh, and there were no logistical problems with that. I think Emily ordered them from her phone uh, and it was very easy. The huts themselves, we found and booked, I believe, directly through their website. I think Emily was the one who handled that, but it was very easy. The ones we stayed in were called the rolling huts. I really liked them. I thought they were clean, kind of fun. They have little fireplaces in there where you can make yourself a fire to keep warm. That's cozy, always enjoyable. They are more on the kind of... Uh, aesthetically very pleasing but uh minimalist and low-key so it's not necessarily the place that you would be like yeah let's gather six friends and all stay in this hut it's more of a two people i think maybe you could probably fit a third or if you really wanted to get crazy a fourth but a, a little bit of a lower key arrangement there and then there's accommodations in town also of the more traditional variety so I just encourage folks to, you know, plan ahead a little bit. As always, we talk, you know, we've talked about here on the show, just to plan ahead and get uh, get your reservations in order ahead of time. But yeah, lots of fun to be had, lots of space to do it in, and uh, a very approachable activity. That's for sure. Well, Jim, you've you've talked about exploring this place in the winter. Um, before we let you go here, we've got to at least hear about it. Just a couple other quick hits. What are some other spots you've been checking out while you've been up there in Seattle? Any other recommendations you have for folks? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I feel like I am not yet in a great position to be like the Seattle <laughs> ambassador. I'm, I'm just, all I'm going to do is people are going to find my email and they're going to say, man, you don't even know what you're talking about yet. <laughs> uh, we're not very hard to find us journalists, but uh, no, I mean, I've enjoyed one of the things, and Jamie, when you came up to Seattle, we, we recently kind of had a version of this talk um, over lunch was, you know, it, it's fun to have new local spots, right? So I mm -hmm. maybe hikes that you wouldn't drive from Portland to, you know, outskirts and beyond of, of Seattle to go do necessarily, or you're maybe not motivated to do that, but to have something that's as close to Seattle as some of the gorge hikes are in Portland, uh, to Portland, uh, and, and kind of ticking some of those off, not in a like, literal list type way, but in a sense of, oh, I can go out and experience something that's completely new to me, that's 45 minutes from my door. That's really cool. I really have enjoyed that. Just some of the kind of classic Seattle area hikes, I oftentimes will do them as kind of a trail run situation aka hike up run down make you feel fast but not actually be fast you know um so i have really liked that i've enjoyed getting to know some of the ski terrain around here a little bit more i've been out uh not as much as i'd like but a you know a, a good bit this winter uh enjoying some skiing at some of the resorts here and some of the backcountry 
action that I'd like to get more acquainted with and also getting to know the city a little bit, right? I think a lot of folks don't, at least when I was in Portland, I didn't come up to Seattle often. I think I'd been up, uh, I think we can safely say several times living in the city for seven years. So there's a lot here to do, get to get, get acquainted with. And that's been really fun also. So that's lacking on specifics, Jamie, on purpose. <laughs> I'll have to come back on with specifics after I know what I'm talking about. Good. We look forward to that. Yeah, I'm just inviting myself back on for later. So. <laughs> we'll take you up on that. Don't worry, Jim. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, Jim, it was so nice having you back on. Um, we wish you all the best up in Seattle um, and continued adventures and hope to uh, see you back in Portland here sometime soon. You know it. We'll, uh, we'll have to pull together a dinner or something sometime soon. So great, great to talk with you both and, and so fun to come, come back on the show. Yeah. Well, folks, that'll do it for today. So until next time, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and view all of our outdoors and travel coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel, as well as HereIsOregon.com. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast, as well as our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Also, if you're a fan of the show and you are interested in potentially sponsoring it, you can get in touch with our marketing people at advertise at Oregonian.com. This episode of the show was produced by me, Vicki Connor, alongside Jamie Hale, Andrew Thien, and Elena Neal Sachs. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen. <laughs>